Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Atlas Lingue, the show produced by Studio Ochenta that's all about culture, communication, and translation. I'm your host, Luis Lopez. Today's episode is a blast because we're talking to Ahmed Al-Qadri. He's a Yemeni-American comedian based in LA. I love how a lot of Ahmed's comedy finds the humor in cultural confusions that arise from his background as an Arab-American and a Muslim. Never by mocking or belittling traditions, but rather by accentuating common occurrences in his life, like living with non-Muslims while fasting for Ramadan, or teaching Arabic to his roommate. Ahmed also talks about his love for stand-up, and especially how fun, but also kind of intimidating, it can be to do crowd work. So, without further ado, here's our interview with Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, man. Awesome. Uh, I wanted to start with something that I read um, in your About Me section on your website. I love that you say you dreamed of being an accountant, but your immigrant parents forced you to be a comedian instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like one of my like first few jokes when I started stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. Could you tell me a little bit uh, about your upbringing, where you grew up, and how that perhaps started to, you know, plant the seeds of your comedy today? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I grew up in an Islamic community in Dallas. A lot of it was of our childhood. We were all first generation Americans. So, you know, my dad came from Yemen, but all of my best friends, like Ali, his family came from Egypt, uh, Ikram, they came from Afghanistan, and Palestinians, Syrians, all like we were all like this conglomeration of all these first generation Americans growing up together. We went to this Islamic school called Tiger Rides Academy. And my family's funny. My dad was hilarious. My mom is the funniest person in the world if you're sitting next to her. How so? She just got these comments, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, just me and my friends growing up, we just try, always tried making each other laugh. And that was kind of like the spark. I've always loved uh, comedy in general. Uh, I loved watching The Simpsons, Conan O'Brien. I love Conan O'Brien. 
Okay, yeah. And then my favorite, even like actors like Chris Farley, uh, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber is like one of my favorite movies. And mm-hmm, yeah. so these these were just like early influences of comedy. But that's kind of like what slowly was planted the seed. Later, when I was like 18 years old, I graduated from high school. There was no way I could be like, hey, mama, baba. I want to be a comedian. Okay. So I just Googled, I literally Googled best degrees to get a job with. Accounting came up. I was like, all right, I'll just be an accountant. (laughs) Accounting was always a means to an end throughout my career. And then fortunately, because of TikTok and Instagram, uh, March of 2022, I like quit my uh, full-time accounting job to do stand-up full-time. And I got to tell you, man, it's been a little over a year. You know, it's been good. It's been doing pretty well. We're surviving. We out here. That's awesome. We hustling. <laughs> and um, I'm still curious when you were saying like your mom makes like the funniest comments when you're sitting next to her. Like what sort of thing? Could you give me an example of that? I got two stories for you. One was, okay, me and my mom were just driving. Uh, she's visiting me in LA and LA has all these billboards, right? And this lady is having a comment for every billboard she's seeing. But there is one where it's it was this like tv show called uh, hbo show called we are who we are and it was just like one of those like like stoic like dramatic ass posters where they're all like just leaning on each other all these like young kids who are yeah. who are going through it and this okay and then and then my mom she just goes i'll say in arabic and then i'll translate she goes okay she goes this is so dramatic. Why are they all sleeping on top of each other? They're all, <laughs> it's kind of like like Gossip Girl-esque type of poster. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're all leaning on each other, like being all... Yeah. So it's just like shit like that, that my mom would always say. And Or here's another one. I, I, I have a joke about me coming out to my parents that I'm a comedian. Okay. <laughs> so I'm 24. I got accepted to this master's program in college. But when it came to signing up for classes, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. I want to be a comedian. Like, this makes me happy. Yeah. So I go back home. It's Father's Day, a.k.a. my birthday, June 18th. Every, like, three or four years, my birthday falls on Father's Day. June 18th, Gemini, what's up? Anyways. Gemini, yeah. (laughs) Gemini. (laughs) Yeah, we're perfectly mentally stable guys, you know? But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) it's Father's Day, my birthday. My mom is making cake, right? Uh, my mom just goes, okay, Ahmed, as in like, you're, you're a man now, you have a good job, let's, let's get you married, let's find you a wife, right? At this point, Abdurrahman, my younger brother was already married. That's like, what? The younger brother getting married before the older brother? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you know how it is uh, with Arab culture. And, well, especially Yemenis, Yemenis tend to be very like, we're very, um, very like proud of our culture. And then I go, no, mama, like, I'm not going to my master's. I'm not like getting, I don't want to get married. I'm moving to LA. And the next year she goes, what? I was like, no. And she's like, she's like, do you have a job? Like, what's going on? I was like, no, I'm going to go pursue stand up. That's what all my, you know what I mean? That's what all my brothers at the table, they're like. Oh. It's like, it's the part in the movie where like the camera cuts to everyone's reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, like you hear that like fork drop up. Or something oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> so then my mom says this comment. So this day is one of my favorite jokes. But um, 
you know when uh, a bre- like when a parent they say something in English just to get the point across. Right. Yeah. So my mom just goes until you're not even funny. <laughs> and all my brothers are like yelling, going crazy. But those, but it's stuff like that where like. My mom was like joking, but serious. And even when she's like angry or serious, it's still funny because she has like, yeah. my dad, uh, uh, may he rest in peace. He, uh, he was like a big jokester. He loved uh, one liners when he died and we were cleaning up his, like his side of the closet. Uh, I found an old book of his, it was the encyclopedia of jokes. Ooh. He just loved just like classic, just joke, right? Like joke, joke. He was very charming. He can meet any person and will make you feel like you've known him your whole life. I love that. You know, so he had this like gift of gab. And um, my dad always had these like, like a bunch of jokes. Like, here's another joke. Like, he has six kids and people would be like, how many kids you have? My dad would be like, six kids. And they go, wow, that's a lot of children. And my dad would be like, yes, the hospital had a deal. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> my other favorite one was... Uh, like if, if I had a friend who was very shy and quiet, my dad used to always go up to him and be like, hey, don't be shy, be coffee. Because shy and is tea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Looking back at it, I smile. But like at the time, when, you know, when we were kids, my dad would say these jokes. And I'm just like, oh, whatever, dad. <laughs> no, yeah. But here at Ochenta, we love a good bilingual joke oh yeah for sure more so if it's a bilingual dad joke i love that so much oh they're the best they're they're great yeah um but yeah i think uh those are like one of my like main influencers but also like what got me into comedy and the best way to do it is like okay how can i relate my identity my upbringing, because the one thing I promised my dad when I started stand up was he always said, don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you come from. And when he first said that, I was like, dad, I can't hide the brown on my skin. What are you talking about? <laughs> like now, like I, I really do. I'm trying to relate to 16 year old Ahmed. He's this insecure kid trying to fit in and not knowing whether he had to be more American or be more Arab. The whole goal on me with my comedy or the message was to me and the 16 year old kid is hey man just be yourself yeah smile yeah yeah just be have fun be goofy stuff like that yeah no i I love that because uh i can see how yeah your loved ones when you grew up like really encouraged all of that and just sort of like lived it right like I, i can understand that there was sort of humor everywhere in in your everyday life, right? As you say, even in moments that weren't necessarily particularly funny, like when you were being perhaps reprimanded for something, or like there, there was still humor in that as well, right? Oh, for sure. We're, I mean, I, I, like you went through my videos and one of my favorite videos that relates to everyone outside of white people, but, but, okay. but, but the one video, I think you've seen it where I go, immigrant parents, PTSD, where my, my oh, roommate yeah. ride, he goes, Hey, is this your sandal? I'm like, Oh my God. And then he goes, Hey, look at this new belt. I'm like, Oh God. So yeah. I was, it was, it was funny. Cause I wrote, it was like years ago. I read that sketch and I was like, Oh, let me like make it like a content video version of it and and my favorite is all these latinos go bro that's us like the chancla don't like they go oh he brought us a chancla like oh no that was literally my first thought with that as well la chancla no it's exactly the same everyone has that experience with the la chancla it's like my daughter is fat 
my son is a comedian. I'm like, just like, you got to throw that jump up. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it because, because the whole sandal joke has been played out so many times, but the goal with that video and I'm very proud of it. I was like, I was trying to make it as original as possible. Yeah. And relatable because when you're posting content, it has to be relatable, funny, and true. Yeah, of course. I try my best to hit that trifecta. The, the three, you know, the Triforce. Shout out to Zelda. Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out in May. <laughs> Who knows if I'm going to even be posting content once Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, like that's what I try to go for. It's like, okay, an idea sparks. Is it relatable? Is it true? And how can I make this funny? But every every idea I have, I always think, how can I make this funny? I love that you mentioned that because I also wanted to ask something related to that, which is uh, I love how you bring in of course, elements of Arab and of Muslim culture and just daily life in your videos, right? I particularly love the one about Ramadan where you bring together what I imagine are common responses that people give when you say you're fasting, sort of like, no food or drinks? No, not even water? Not even water, you know? Or the whole like, oh, I could never do that sort of thing. I mean, I imagine that sort of thing you hear all the time, right? So like, is there an element of taking those annoying phrases and, you know, finding the humor in them for this? Oh, 100%. I'm actually planning on shooting more sketches in that manner of like where I play multiple characters. It's like, basically, I have this joke where I, I'm Arab, but because I'm a dark-skinned Arab, everyone always thought I was Indian growing up. So I used to always go, oh, I'm, I'm, I know I look Indian, but I'm actually Arab. I look like the 7-Eleven type brown, but I'm actually the 9-Eleven type. Oh. <laughs> I know I look like the uh, da, 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 but I'm actually the la, 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 you know yeah and then I go I did that joke in Alabama they were like it's educational okay it's such an absurd crazy joke I like one of the crazier jokes I have but it's more like I was like the idea came from man everyone just keeps thinking I'm Indian and then when I say you know, when I say, no, I'm I'm not Indian, I'm Arab, uh, sometimes Americans or non-Arabs would be like, oh, same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, no, it's not the same thing. They're like, what do you mean it's not the same thing? And I'm like, Indian has, you know, a different culture and, you know, a way different culture, language and everything. While Arabs, we yeah. have our own. And they're still like confused. And you're just like, they're the 7-Eleven, we're the 9-Eleven. And you're just like, oh, okay. Don't even tell them that there's like different types of Arabs as well. <laughs> I try to go for like... I, again, like this whole Arab and Muslim identity, this is also one side of me that I do as my comedy, but I also do jokes about everything else. Like, I mean, like today I posted a joke on TikTok and Instagram about Teslas, you know? Right. I just think what is funny and what is something that the people would be like, ah, I totally feel that way. Or I totally connect with you on that level. Even when I talk about this Arab and Muslim stuff, even a person like you even you, you like the fasting in America sketch, like you don't fast, you don't do Ramadan, but you do get it. Like you do understand yeah. as a human being, uh, to a human level, like you don't understand, like, oh, I get having to explain a person over and over. Or I do yeah. sympathize because I have a Muslim friend and I remember having this conversation. Yeah, like like I have to explain that, I don't know, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican independence. Like <laughs> that sort of thing. So um, I wanted to ask you about your videos with your roommate, Ryan, who I know and I understand just just moved. And so like this is, uh, as you said, the moment of, of transition of like starting something new. And I do want to get to that. But before that, like, I think I'd, I'd love to cover a little bit of 
uh, your work that you did with Ryan, you know, in particular those from your series, like when you have an Arab roommate and, and Ryan does all these typical Arab things, like aggressively insist on gifting you this watch that you liked and that sort of thing. Uh, how did you come up with that? Like, like specifically him being the one doing the typically Arab stuff, you know, what was that idea? I, again, it's like back to that trying to be like as original as possible. Cause if I were doing these Arab stereotypes, everyone would be like, yeah, I've seen this video before. Right. But to make it funnier or to punch up, I guess the better punchline would be Ryan, a, a fucking Kirkland brand, Costco white man doing all these like super out of stereotypes in front of his uh, actual out of friend. That's like, dude, what are you, what are you talking about? It all started with like, you know, him just being living with me, he now understands yalla. He knows yalla. He knows khalas. He knows habibi. Like these words that I'm just like, I'm just constantly saying, even when my brother and sister, they visited me and they're staying with me, we're like saying it with each other. And my, my roommate is picking up on it. Yeah. And that, and to, that, to the first degree, it relates to, it relates to Arabs, but it also relates to people who, who are not Arab, but they know like, they've been around enough Arabs. And then it's just uh, like to make it even funnier of just like, that was like the first video, but like another video of him pretending to be my father, like, but him oh. doing, but him doing the Arab stereotypes. Cause if it was, and, and that's what I love about these videos. Cause it was like, if you just separated both of us, if we just had me doing the Arab stuff, it wouldn't get as many views. People were like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. And, and if you just had Ryan doing these stuff, be like, this is offensive. Why is this white guy doing these things? But the fact that we were both just together, right? like that's what made that magic. I mean, the fact that even like uh, this Latin audience is reaching out to me because it's like, even though you guys are Arab or Muslim, it's like you can relate to teaching a close friend who is not a part of your culture and trying to trying to teach something. I mean, the basis of learning something new is just attaching it to something you already know. So if you could just make that connection as close as possible, then you're going to be able to relate to everybody else. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of like the success of these videos, right? Just uh, making them so approachable to people. I also wanted to ask you, I mean, also talking about your videos with Ryan, I also love your videos about being two straight men who people think are gay. And I love them, of course, because they're so wholesome and they actively go against toxic masculinity, talking about going to therapy, being non-competitive, listening to each other. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, like what, what inspired that sort of content? We filmed about six of those, uh, maybe five, but like, <laughs> I just love it because it's polarizing in so many levels because because we get a lot of like man fuck you you guys are gay like you got like these men who it like it it just ignites this hate with it with within these men yeah it's so funny because i had that idea for years when me and ryan we before we moved in together we've been friends for years and for a long time like separate in our lives people always thought we were gay you know people thought he was gay and people thought i was gay and and people thought I was gay for the dumbest reasons. What one time this lady literally thought I was gay because I smile a lot. <laughs> because she goes, You just smile too much. And I was just like, I'm happy. I'm gonna I got a good life. Fellas, is it gay to smile? Bro, it's gay to it's gay to be happy because yeah. it breaks it down to that last post what we said, which which is number three, which was always this silly reason, but kind of true, which is like Right, yeah. You know, uh, society really has put just straight men into this box of like, 
I saw a tweet one time of this girl. She goes, I don't know why, but I think men with glasses is so feminine. And the first retweet of, of this guy goes, bruh, it's gay to see now. Like, <laughs> I like you like put your glasses on all of a sudden you're just like, anyways. <laughs> but but I, it's so, it, it was just like, oh, people thought Ryan was gay because he was on it. He was like, uh, this girl was had this big crush on him. And then she asked him out. He was like, sure, why not? They had a date. Next thing you know, like he was just like not, he didn't make a move or anything. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, are you gay? Because he didn't make a move, you know? And he's just like, no, just like, what a, like I'm a normal man who's just weren't interested, you know? But, yeah, yeah. Or, or like just random silly things. So in my opinion, this is how I was able to make it funny was, how about me and Ryan act like this stereotype where like people think we're gay. Like, like just like right. do this overhyped, like happy, like fun, silly style of sketch. And then we made it seem like, like we go too. uh, we're, we're not afraid to cry or not afraid to show emotion or, or we're sensitive. Oh no, we're sensitive and kind. So, uh, or the fact that, you know, like I, we talk a lot with our hands or we have soft voices. Uh, no. And, and I like, of, of course, I mean, I would say it goes without, without saying, but just, you know, to confirm, like, of course you're not making fun of gay people, but making fun of people who like think that everything is gay and like take that sort of thing way too seriously. And, oh, for and sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, for the, for the most part of my response with the, I, I have a lot of fans from the LGBT community and I love them all. Uh, they come to my shows and um, they they enjoy my comedy. And I've gotten mostly positive responses. Our latest series before he left was uh, Ryan making me uh, suhoor. Suhoor is the meal that you eat before you start fasting. Okay, yeah. So there's a series of him waking up early and making me food. And it's just like a, a thoughtful act of kindness. I've had, uh, you know, Arabs or people who come from Muslim families, they like, I've had it two times so far where they go, hey, um, I'm gay, but I can't come out to my family. But I just want to say I love your videos. I love your energy. And I just want to come out to you. But it was moments like that when I realized I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, I have a following. My videos impact people. Right. So your roommate, Ryan, recently moved, right? And you were mentioning that this is sort of an end of an era after two and a half years of, of making uh, videos together, of creating comedy together. So, um, well, what's what's next for you? Uh, what have you been thinking about that in this sort of moment of transition after this? Thanks for asking. This is a good question. Um, the next phase for me is I'm just going to be, for at least the next month, I... I'm just going to be posting, obviously I'm still posting my stand-up clips to keep it going. But one sketch that I just finished writing, it's called, uh, it's called the, um, the Arab American identity. Yeah. And basically it's, um, the guy, I don't want to like to give too much, but basically the premise of the, of the sketch is I open the door and, and you, you've lived in Texas. So, you know, when a government official is like, Hey, we're doing a census. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing a census and then it's like, you know, I put my age, I put my, you know, like my gender, all that stuff. And then it comes to race and it goes white, Afri uh, black or African-American, Asian, 
Native Americans and then like Alaskan Pacific Islanders. And I'm just literally like, and I'm looking at the clipboard, you know, my race is not on there. And it's like, and this yeah. is true. According and, and the guy's like, oh, well, if you're Middle Eastern, oh, you got to put white. And I'm like, oh, why do I got to put white? You know what I mean? Which is true. Like, as this is something not that not a lot of a lot of non-Arabs don't know this, but Arabs growing up, uh, Middle Eastern and North African Arabs, we have to put uh, whites on the census. Why do we have, why do Arabs got to put white? And then I just like, I, I, I put my notepad and I wrote the premise and I was just like, how can I make this funny? Oh, I can make it seem like a government official knocking the door. And I was like, okay. okay. And then I just finished writing the sketch and I have a lot of punchlines in there. And I think I know a really good way to like end the whole thing, but uh, wow. you guys have to wait and see. But actually I'll be in Dubai Comedy Festival at, uh, at the end of May and Ryan will be there. So we're going to have a reunion there. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I wanted to talk about your stand-up work as well. Um, I've, I've watched clips of it uh, in your social media. And I mean, I love your jokes, but I particularly love how you interact with the crowd as well and how you make that sort of like, you seem to really enjoy integrating that into your material, right? So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like what goes on in your mind as you're on stage and like, you know, interacting with, with the audience? Before stand-up, I was an improviser. I, I did improv and sketch comedy. And, and what I loved about like improv, it always teaches you to be present, being in the moment. So when I'm doing stand up and then I hear like someone says something, I like immediately like, OK, there, there's a moment. Let's try to recreate this moment. The tricky thing with crowd work and a lot of other comedians, I was talking to my friend, uh, a friend of mine, Michael Blaustein, and he's like, he's really good. I wish I was as good as him about it. But like he's like super good at interviewing and asking them and then making it, you know, really funny. But I'm like, I could do an interview style crowd work. But to me, it's like, if I could just write a joke and then someone says something, then I have I have something to connect with from there. A lot of standups have been posting more crowd work clips because uh, social media likes it. And I think the reason why social media non-comedy fans like it is because they're like, wow, like this person is so talented because they're thinking all this on the top of their head and they're making everyone be a part of the show. So that's why I do like making my jokes crowd interactive. I wonder if like in posting crowd work stuff and uh, and everyone's reactions to it, I wonder if it sort of like also invites people to in your future shows to also like participate and like sort of like feeds it. Right. Fortunately, uh, my like I my audience doesn't I don't have that kind of audience like uh, people like Blaustein and Rife. Uh, Matt Rife, like I'm assuming I haven't been to a Matt Rife show, but I've been to Blaustein's show a couple of times. And it's like, there were some people who would like interrupt the show or heckle the show. And then you would like, you would make jokes about them or you would make fun of them. And then they get hurt. Oh yeah. And you're like, but you interrupt, like you're the one that brought spotlight to yourself. If you're going to heckle or something, like you're kind of consenting to, you know, the comedian playing with you a little bit. Right. Like, I know my audience aren't here to pay. They're paying money for a ticket to learn about what this random guy does for a living. So they're here to see me. They're here to watch me and me to tell jokes and entertain them. And if something were to happen, like if a person blurts something out or interrupts, because there is always someone who does that, then I'll make that magic happen because they're the ones that are like, I want to be talked about. 
you know, because there's so many times where I get on stage and I'm talking, doing jokes, and then I see a person and then I start like talking to them. And then they themselves are like, like, they're like, no, no, please don't talk to me. Like, like, please don't. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't. If you clearly see someone who like doesn't, yeah, doesn't maybe won't feel comfortable with you. You also like making fun of them. You, 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 you're, you find a way to, to make the situation funny and not make them the butt of the joke. Right. If I pick someone personally, I will just say like, I, I do in a funny way. I, I bring them up. Okay, so I guess just to to finish the interview, I have a few lightning round questions that I wanted to ask. So here we go. The first one is, what is your favorite emoji? The dance emoji, this one. Oh, yeah. I do that. I use that one a lot. What's your go-to karaoke song? All right. uh, It takes a lot to get me to do karaoke, but if I had to do it, it's uh, Mamma Mia by ABBA. What's a food that you wish more of your friends and acquaintances liked that you like and you wish other people liked as well? Um, I'd say uh, ramen or yeah, or sushi, but ramen. I'm going to go with ramen because I, I could eat ramen every day. You can never have too much. Awesome. So final one. Um, what is your proudest quote unquote trivial talent? Like, Something like being able to roll your tongue or something like that. Oh, you, I know how, I know how to gleek. Have you heard of gleeking? No. I could shoot water from my tongue. I just... Oh, <laughs> oh. okay. Hold on. hold on, hold on. Let me see if I can do it again. There's going to be a demonstration here. Wait. Damn it. I need more water. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Ahmed, for for this, it was a lot of fun, and I I loved to listen to your process and like just listen to you speak about how you create and like all, all your process with your comedy, both with your videos, with your social media stuff, uh, and also like live on your stand up shows and everything. So thank you so much for this for this time for sharing everything. Oh, for sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for inviting me. I had a really good time. Um, it's, I mean, again, it's crazy that like, you know, just like worldwide po- international podcast is like reaching out to me. So it's really, it's, uh, it's a good feeling that, you know, things uh, that my comedy is reaching out or is connecting with so many people. So thank you. Of course. Uh, so just to finish things, um, could you share with our audience, like, where can we find you on social media and everything? And, and also, and also anything else you want to share about like what you're doing right now? Uh, well, first and foremost, follow me on Instagram, Ahmed loves bread. Uh, the link is in my bio it has all these like tick information. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely follow me on all socials. And if you've never heard of me, shoot me a message. Let me know what kind of impression. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You guys were great. You guys are a lot of fun. Thank you very much to Ahmed for taking the time to talk to us. I had a lot of fun listening to his stories and I learned a lot as well. That thing about the US Census took me completely by surprise and I thought it was a brilliant idea for a sketch. By the way, he has since recorded and published that sketch, and you can check it out along with the rest of Ahmed's content on Instagram and TikTok, where you can follow him at Ahmed Loves Bread. He really does love bread, by the way, he confirmed it. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ochenta Podcasts and on TikTok at Studio Ochenta. 
You can also watch this season's interviews and more of our shows on our YouTube channel at Ochenta Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Hi, it's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, Check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.